Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to yet again another fantastic indie creator interview. It's your Cape Crusader Cody, and we're keeping it geeky with two of our guests, Chuck Satterley and Jeremy Maggart. We're here to break down monsters and midways and everything in between. Jeremy and Chuck, welcome to the stream. How are you guys doing today? Oh, doing good, man. Thanks for having us. I uh, appreciate it, uh, Cody. I've been looking forward to being on your show for a while. Absolutely. And Chuck, like I said, man, you've been on my radar too. I know when I first started doing this, I, you know, I've seen you uh, on Twitter. We've been in a lot of spaces. Uh, oh, there's Jason in chat right now. Welcome to the stream, Jason. Um, I had the chance to read Monster and Midway's issue one and holy crap. Uh, I mean, dude, this art is so gorgeous. The book, I loved the writing, everything in between. And uh, just like some of the uh, different like things that happened within it. But before we dive into it too deep though, I'd always like to start uh, having... Um, the show start off on a right note, and that's with the introduction to who you guys are and how you got into comics. So, um, Jeremy and Chuck, uh, if you guys like to go ahead and take the wheel, uh, um, feel free. Uh, go for it, Chuck, once you start it out. Okay. Uh, well, I'm Chuck Satterley, and uh, I'm old. Uh, so, um, <laughs> uh, I I got into comics uh, quite a while ago, took a little bit of time off. I'm back um, uh, because COVID uh, made me bored. Uh, and... Um, I started, uh, I, I got into comics. It's a long, long story. I won't bore you, but uh, I, my first book was a book called Agony Acres. Um, did that uh, a long time ago. Um, my claim to fame on that book was really cool because I, I waited in line with an ash can to show George Perez. And, um, I, you know, I'm like young and, and I have this black and white ash can that I photocopied at, um, at Kinko's. <laughs> and, uh, and I showed it to to George Perez and he had a line of people and he read the whole damn thing. Wow. Um, it was the first comic I ever did. And, um, and he, and he looks up after he was done and he goes, I, I he goes, I'm going to ink your covers for you. So you can say that I'm on your art team uh, because this is a good book. <laughs> and, uh, and it was like, Holy shit, you know? Um, so that, that was my first book. And then, uh, and then I did a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, of Bitter Souls with a guy named Norm Brayfogel. I did uh, 13 Steps with a guy named Phil Hatter. And um, I, I adapted King of Skull Island uh, and then some other stuff And um, um, for like 10 years. And now I'm back uh, working with Jeremy, um, our partner on Monsters, Nick. Um, I'm doing uh, three other books that are coming out this year, and I probably will have another two books out this year as well. So it probably will be six books, uh, six series this year. Man, you almost had no choice but to like start something in comics after having that introduction. That is, that is crazy, man. Holy crap! How, how did that feel? Like getting him, you know, obviously you wanted him to read it, but when he was like, "Yo, let me ink this for you," like that had to just blow your mind. My initial thought was, I can't afford George Press, but uh, but then he, <laughs> but then he he's like, you know, I, I literally said that, and he goes, no, no, I'll do it for free. Just take me out for dinner. So we, so my my the artist on that book, his name was Ron Stern. Um, we took him out to well, where I take everybody to dinner who's in Chicago for the first time. We took him to Lou Malnati's Pizza. I'm waiting for a huge insult from Jason. Um, that'll come soon. I took him to Lou Malnati's Pizza. Uh, but uh, it, it was wonderful. It was insane. I have no, I, I, I can't even, you know, I can't even explain it. I got to have uh, dinner with George. I uh, got to know him. He's, you know, and we lost him this year. So uh, 
uh, or last year, excuse me. I, I'm still getting used to it being 2023. But yeah, it was awesome. It was great. Oh, that's, that's, yeah, that's such a cool experience. Jeremy, what about you? I love your work so much. It is so gorgeous. Can you give us a little bit about how you got involved uh, in, in doing mm -hmm. comics? Oh, thanks. Um, so I drew a lot and started reading comics, you know, what a lot of people do when, you know, you're a kid, and you've got spinner racks and back in the day when you had bookstores and malls and all that kind of fun stuff. And that was full of lots of Spider-Man and Batman comics. I really, because I think that's just what was on the spinner rack, you know, and then that led to definitely uh, the Spider-Man and his amazing friends cartoon, which was hugely uh, influential for me as a kid and then it you know in college i you know and or was that no high school i wanted to learn how to draw people and so i decided i was going to go and uh get some comic books to learn how to draw people which is not a good way to do that but that's what i did <laughs> um and i bought there was you know i just was in this comic shop don't even remember which one it was but every time ever somebody what was that hello Oh no! I, I apologize. Uh, my, I think the internet was going in, and I apologize. Um, I, every time somebody says Jeremy, um, your, you know, Jeremy's art is amazing on this book. Uh, you know that Jack Nicholson meme or GIF? Yeah, that's how I am every time. Just, yeah, you know, um, because Jeremy is uh, Jeremy's absolutely badass. Oh, thank you. We have uh, but, uh, Jason. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, go for it. I was going to say, Jason and Chad over on YouTube saying comics were 10 cents each when Chuck started out. <laughs> so the shade already begins. <laughs> Sorry, I have uh, something on my forehead. Uh, go ahead, Jeremy. I didn't mean to interrupt oh, you. Oh, it's all good. Um, and bought a, uh, there was, a, I believe it was Wolverine 75. And that was from uh, the Wolverine run where you had Larry Hama and Adam Kubert on it. And uh, right around the time when Wolverine like kind of first lost his adamantium, and there was something about Adam Kubert's art that was really inspiring for me. It was kind of the first time where I really recognized, you know, the difference between one artist to another, and mm -hmm. you know how awesome he was specifically. And then you know there's a lot of stuff I read that were that was significant, but then I kind of got away from comics. And then in my uh, later in life, I decided I kind of wanted a career change. I wanted to do something that you know, had a little more meaning to me personally and kind of fit some different criteria that are important for me for choosing what I'm going to do. And comics sort of fit these three criteria perfectly for me. And, um, you know, and that was kind of at a time when uh, Greg Capullo was coming back to comics. And so he was drawing Batman and he had been, you know, spawned for a long time, but then was kind of gone for a little bit. And that, uh, that was a big thing to kind of get me back into it. And then I picked up another book that was written by Scott Snyder called The Wake. And seeing Sean Gordon Murphy's artwork was another thing that really kind of inspired me to give comics a go. Because at the time when I, you know, when you look back in like kind of 2000s and like, you know, like I went to high school in like mid 90s kind of deal. You know, like there were so many clones of like the 90s style and, you know, a lot of guys were drawing like Jim Lee and a lot of artists, you know, like Mark Silvestri and that kind of stuff. And and I just don't, I can't, you know, I, I just can't swing that kind of an art style. So that was another reason why I kind of stepped away is I just didn't feel like there was like a spot. But then now, you know, when I kind of, when I went back and I saw like the Sean Gordon Murphy, the way he was drawn and, you know, some other guys, it was really inspiring me to kind of really pick it back up again. I and really so I would say that. That's probably like my collective sort of origin story with it, you know, getting back in. 
Yeah, I was reading some Sean Murphy. I want to say uh, Batman uh, Beyond the White Knight. I, mm -hmm. I want to say he's and I, I love I love his work on that. It is gorgeous. Um, yeah, you was, so you mentioned that you uh, first started out by kind of drawing from like references from comic books and that wasn't like too good of an idea. Was that because um, someone told me before that it's it's better to kind of draw off real life because you get a better idea of how things work as opposed to drawing off of like pictures, you know? So was that your experience as well? Yeah, I mean, I was really just grabbing it for inspiration. I wasn't really copying the art inside it. Um, I was really just kind of looking for to pick up like tips and things and maybe some things I could figure out. But, you know, when you do that, like you're never going to get, you're never going to understand just looking at that stuff. You're never going to understand perspective. You're never really going to understand, you know, lighting because at the end of the day, what you're looking at when you pick up a comic book is you're looking at someone else's interpretation of these things rather mm -hmm. than going to the source of these things kind of from the get go. You know, so like you'll learn so much more about body language and like how, you know, how how a body moves or how things sit or stand or whatever. If you're you're using photo reference or you're looking at like real life people, you'll get a lot of, you know, you'll get so much more mileage in terms of learning from that, in my opinion. No, that is awesome. So how did you two meet? Like, how did you two like join forces and how did uh, Monsters and Midways come about? I will let Chuck tell this one. I think he tells it better than I do. Well, um, I had I had caught some of Jeremy's artwork, um, and uh, um, then I uh, kind of threw it by a friend of mine who is um, much bigger and better known than I and Jeremy. And um, he had already had Jeremy kind of on his radar and he's like, yeah, man, he's great. You know? Um, and so, and I said, do you, do you think that his, that he is ready? Cause I had not met Jeremy yet. Um, and this is a long time ago, actually, this is, this was for a different book. And, um, and then, cause I was thinking about getting into the comics uh, again and uh, had to talk with Jeremy, but then we kind of didn't really take it anywhere. And then COVID hit. And then, mm -hmm. um, and then, um, uh, monsters and midways came along it, it, that is a story in and of itself but uh my my neighbor at the time and friend nick goodwin uh he's never written a comic book before uh and and i tell this story all the time but it's the truth when you jeremy you can back me up on this when you're in comics of any kind whether whether you're a publisher or not or you're just making comics people will tend to come up to you friends family members and say you know it would make a good comic you know, and they're always throwing stuff at you. And Jeremy, <laughs> does that happen to you? Absolutely. Yeah. And um, and then you get kind of when you're a creator, you kind of get um, you kind of get numb to it because you also care about the people that are saying this normally because it's probably at Thanksgiving or 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 you know it's somebody you you like, and so you don't want to hurt their feelings. But the truth of the matter is, is that most of the time, oh my God, they're terrible ideas. <laughs> you know, um, you know. And um, so I got my. Um, oh, that's that's nice. Uh, yeah, you should you should you should uh, flush that story out. You know, um, kind of a thing. So uh, I got that response ready. And Nick told me the the seed of the idea of Monsters and Midways, and uh, I found myself thinking, well, shit, that's actually that's actually good. You know, and mm -hmm. um, and so uh, so I kind of shelved it. And then when I decided to make comics again, I, I called Nick up and I was like, hey, man, do you want to 
do that book? And he goes, yeah, you know, and I was like, okay, let's do it. And, uh, then I called Jeremy or text or what I got a hold of Jeremy. And, uh, and I said, Hey, do you want to work on a different book? This is what it is. And Jeremy was like, hell yeah, let's do this. You know? Um, and, uh, here we are. Um, you know, uh, the, the first piece of art I ever saw by Jeremy, um, I, I will get this printed on a piece of canvas someday, but it was a, it was a, it was a piece that Jeremy did that actually was an afterthought for him. He was, he drew a building and then at the last second slapped Batman on it. And, um, and I, I loved it. Uh, just like, Oh, I want to work with him. That's what I originally saw that I talked to, to, to my buddy about. And then, uh, yeah. Uh, and then here we are, um, the best laid plans of, uh, you know, the best intentions. Um, here we are a long time later because monsters and midways has hit speed bump after speed bump that has nothing to do with Jeremy, myself or Nick. Um, <laughs> so, uh, we are now at band of bards happy as can be because band of bards is fantastic. Uh, Tim and Chris at band of bards are awesome people. The mm -hmm. other creators at band of bards are great. Um, Megan, who handles a lot of the retail stuff, is great. She, they're, they're just all good people. And so while it took a long time getting there, um, we are at where we need to be today. So what were uh, some of those speed bumps, if you could talk about? Um, because as much as sure. I love promoting, um, you know, creators on the show, it is, I think it is kind of important, like, when, you know, you guys are wanting to, to examine those. So when people are listening, they, they can know how to react and handle it. <laughs> sure. Um if it's all right with you, I'm not going to name names. I'll just tell yeah, you. Yeah, that, that's fine. No names. Tell you the situations. Um, so the the first publisher that we signed with um, uh, was not really ready for prime time. Um, they, in in my opinion, they 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 talked a good talk, but uh, ultimately they haven't solicited in Diamond for what is it now, Jeremy? A year, right? It's it's a year this month. Yeah, I think that's correct. Yeah. And, uh, and, and things were starting to sound a little bit, uh, hinky. And, um, and so a lot of the creators started asking the, the guy, the, the, the fellows questions and they just basically said, look, if you want out, you can get out. And so Jeremy and Nick and I, with no safety net, were like, yeah, you know what? We want out. And it was the right decision because they haven't really done anything. Well, usually um, when they're like that easy going about it, there's something in the, you know, something going on. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, uh, it, I look, I don't want to say it was nefarious and I don't want to say it, it, it was incompetence. I, I don't know. Um, you know, it was, I, I don't, it was questionable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want, I, I don't, that's, hold any that's the what, questionable is the nice way to word it. So that's a scary situation. Like, what was your guys' next move? Like, because going from having we a publisher and then... It, it it literally was just like, we just did it. We, it we, that's how bad the situation was. We would rather not have a plan than have a publisher that we didn't feel comfortable with. Yeah, because on top of that, we had no idea with what was going on. We just didn't... We had no idea if the book was ever going to come out. And that, and that was the number. That was the number one priority above anything else was getting the book out into people's hands so that they could read it. And then a year yeah. later, uh, it looks like that came true. Mm. Well then, well, and then we had speed bump number two, um, a few months later, uh, another publisher signed us because monsters and movies is a good book, you mm -hmm. know? Um, so we got accepted again. Um, and, uh, 
this publisher, that this guy is a good guy. He's there's no nefarious, there's no there's no questionable in in this guy at all. It, it just they had some internal issues. Uh, they're publishing today. They're they're a good publisher. Uh, it just it didn't quite work out on the timing. Um, and uh, so we'll probably go to that publisher again at some point. Um, mm. But uh, it, but um, there was a deadline set. The deadline went and passed, and uh, and I had already placed um, Christopher Kubrick, Nebraska, and Matilda Save the World from fucking Nazis that I'm writing with Jason <laughs> um, uh, in, in in the feed right now, um, uh, and and um, Jason Michalski, who is a great writing partner. Um, I will compliment him, even though he won't compliment me. He will insult me m- multiple times tonight. I'm just going to take the high road. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's the high road. But I've never taken it before, um, but I'm going to try to take the high road. Anyway, I'm kidding. Uh, um, so I had already had a relationship with Tim and Chris at Panda Barts, and so um, I was having a conversation with Tim, and Tim's like, "Dude." bring monsters and midways to band of bards, you know? And I called Jeremy and Nick and I was like, you want to go to band of bards? And, and we were both, and all three of us were, yeah, let's do that. And, um, let me just say that it's, it's a great experience. Um, you know, so as I said, yes, speed bumps galore a year longer than we thought, but we're where we need to be because we're happy. No, I mean, and I think that just really goes to show you that, like, just sticking to the plan and and seeing the vision through, you know, that's that's important. That's that's the big part of it. Um, and now here you are. Uh, you have uh, how, how many issues? Five lined up, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Five issues. Yes. So seeing it through, you yes. know, it pays, uh, let it me pays just off. Say, it, th- th- this has been the hardest on Jeremy. Um, so Jeremy's been a, like a goddamn trooper um, because. Uh, you know, it, it was supposed to go differently, and Jeremy mm-hmm. is stuck in, and he's been the best. Uh, so, um, you know, I, I just want to make sure that that does not go unsaid. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and you know, it's it, it's unfortunate. You know, as an artist, you you have to put so much work into you know detailing these pages, making sure they look right, and and all that. Uh, it, so much goes into it, and. Uh, Chuck, that's one thing I love about uh, you. Uh, just from Twitter, you're you're always the first to credit your team and, and make sure they're acknowledged as well. It, there, I mean, if you don't credit your team, you, you, in my book, you're kind of a dick. Um, yeah. you know, because the, the, this these comics they get made by lots of people. You know, um, you know, Jeremy. Uh, toils away at turning out um, fantastic uh, line art, pencils and inks. It gets handed off to Nicholas Michael, who, whoa. Um, I, I mean, you saw the colors in that book. Um, that color palette that he chose for this book is insane. Mm-hmm. Um, Nicholas Michael, what a choice. That was Jeremy's choice. Um, I Not that it wasn't my choice. I didn't have a choice. Jeremy just said, I like him. And I was like, okay, you know, because yeah. I don't know what I'm looking at. Found them and, randomly uh, on Twitter. Craziness. Yeah. So, and, uh, uh, like, what? Oh, sorry, Chuck. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Well, that's okay. I was just going to also mention that um, we, we have a fairly decent letterer. Um, you know, he's lettered a couple things. Um, <laughs> he's done some you know? stuff. Yeah. Uh, Tom Orzakowski, the letterer of Spawn and Days of Future Pat. Wow. Well, and of everything, all time. Uh, 
quite frankly, he is literally the Guinness Book of uh, World Record holder for um, most consecutive issues of a comic letter spawn. You know, so our team, our team could uh, uh, could be better. I guess I just don't know how. <laughs> yeah, it's I guess like if somebody you, else was writing hitters. it, I just want to beat Jason. I want to beat Jason to that. Yes, if somebody else was writing it, it would be better. But speaking of Jason, we have uh, Half Life Comics. Can we get Cody to say Jason's last name? I'm not saying it until April, all right? And I might have Chuck come on as a substitute to say it for me. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime so, yeah, there's multiple syllables, it throws me off. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah. For everyone watching, it is New Comic Book Day. Here are the preview links uh, to uh, these awesome comics. You can pre-order them right now. When uh, They're in stores uh, in uh, March 29th. Yes, that is correct. Yes. It's um, the book is actually going to um, pre uh, debut at C two E two. Oh, so that is awesome! We'll have the first copies of the book will be uh, at C two E two. Band of Bards will have a table at C two E two as as the plan goes right now, and um, we'll have uh, copies of Jeremy's cover um, and of uh, Ben Templesmith's uh, variant cover, and. Um, the Ben Templesmith variant cover is going to be cool, uh, as I as I'm t as I understand it, because we will have a literal metal cover. Um, and Fitting though, I, I don't know if you if you noticed, but the cover for the variant for by Temp by Ben uh, for the first issue is a homage to uh, Heavy Metal magazine number one, which came out the same year Monsters and Midways is based. So um, and so and and the lead uh, the lead character Dave the Barbarian's a heavy metal guitarist, uh, so heavy metal everywhere. So the band of Bards guys were like, let's make it a metal cover. So we'll we'll have a metal cover at C two E two. That'd be awesome. That's so awesome. So Jeremy, I was going to ask when you found the colorist, you said you uh, found them on Twitter. Like, what uh, really caught your attention to you know say that's the person? Um, you know, it was a, it was a few things and I saw him on Twitter and I shot his stuff over to Chuck to, you know, to kind of get the ball rolling. But there's one of the things that, that Nicholas is extremely good at is depth with color, right? Because I, all I have is black and white lines and he can take, he can alternate warm and cool colors and really do a magical job of separating you know, like the foreground, the middle ground, and the background, and just really adding so much depth. And with monsters, you know, and he was like, you know, do you want me to color it like that? I'm like, no, man, I just want you to do your thing. And, you know, like, I'm never, I don't ever want to tell him, like, oh, I want you to color this, like, this book. And, you know, I just really wanted him to go to town and, you know, really help nail the sort of 70s vibe, you know, because I do, I, you know, I use a lot of photo ref in terms of like clothing and mm -hmm. the city of Chicago and there's all this stuff, but, but I can only do so much, right? Because then so much of the 70s look, right, is, is, you know, is there in issue one, there's the avocado green fridge and there's things like that that you have to put in there if you're going to show an apartment to accurately date the book. And, you know, while we are definitely as over the top as we possibly can be with a lot of stuff, you know, it helps to ground the book with things like, you know, with as goofy as it sounds, with an avocado green fridge and with, you know, with green shag carpeting and and just kind of goofiness like 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 that. It kind of anchors it into the time period. And, you know, 
And another thing that I don't really say, I haven't just said much often, but, you know, I've worked with other colorists, but there's always a thing where somebody, you know, show, where I see my art colored for the first time. And, I, and there's always like an adjustment period where I'm like, huh, interesting. But every time I see his stuff, I never have that. It's immediate. I'm just like, oh, my God, that's amazing. And, and, and that's with every single thing that I've seen him that, that he's turned in. Like ev everything has just been absolutely like magical from the second I see it. The, the the relationship between the artist and the colorist is so important. So it is, it's awesome to hear that it's almost like organic for you too. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the, the relationship between the writer and the artist is just as important as well. Like Chuck, Jeremy, how does that work between you two when you're you're working the script together? Jeremy. Well, I mean, I don't actually really work on the script with Chuck. Well, I, I, meant, has... I meant like, uh, like do it like, you know, he gives you the script and you do the uh, the art from it. My apologies. Oh, no, it's all good. It just, it depends. You know, some things he he will write, you know, pretty thoroughly, like if he's got a very specific idea, and there's some things where he'll be like, you know, just give me, you know, if, you know, where it'll be sort of just three pages of this, and, you know, we kind of run with it, and then he may, you know, script it afterwards, depending on what he had in mind. And So, you know, with that, I think we we're a pretty awesome, uh, you know, well-oiled team in that regard. I like working with Jeremy because, um, first of all, he he under, I mean he understands the script is a skeleton, you know, um, the script is the story, but I am one part of the storytelling. He's the other part of the story. You know, Nick and I, um, Nick Nick does the story with me. I write the scripts, and then and then Jeremy does the art. But uh, um, he's the other half of the storytelling. So it, I I have full complete confidence in the fact that if Jeremy changed it, Jeremy doesn't even have to call me um, or, or text me or anything. Uh, he can just do it and tell me he did it if he wanted to. That said, Jeremy always calls me and, and discusses mm -hmm. things when he has something. Um, we were talking before we went on on, on live about that two-page spread. You know, um, I could tell you a story about that. Uh, um, <laughs> that it, it, it was giving me fits forever. <laughs> And I wrote this two-page spread that that Nick and I called um, the history of the world part one, and uh, uh, it was so damn jam-packed. I I didn't even feel comfortable giving it to a, to an artist. And Jeremy just finally contacts me, and this is our first script. I mean, we're on our fourth script now, um, Jeremy and I. And I I have more trust in him, and he has more trust in me, but. Um, I, I feel I feel like if he read that I don't know what you thought, Jeremy, but I feel like if the first time he read that script with that freaking ridiculously stupid double page, <laughs> he's like, "What did I get myself into? This guy does not know what he's doing." Um, but uh, but Jeremy uh, came up with a plan to fix it, and it turned into it, it, it extended the pages to two more pages, and it turned one double page spread into two double page spreads in a row. Um, but uh, it worked, and um, and and he did a fantastic job. But uh, you know that that was our first issue, and it was a it was a huge huge problem. <laughs> uh, but um, I think I think we worked great together. I I would love to I would love to do another series with Jeremy. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, and you know, when, you know, there's always going to be like writers that are going to be watching this, and you know, when it comes to changing stuff, I don't really change things specifically like i don't go in like take stuff out or whatever usually what i'm doing is if i'm making any changes oh. to what's there you know it's it's sort of an enhancement or i'm kind of mm -hmm. moving things around or you know like 
you know, there's yeah. rules for the for the page and stuff like that. So everything I do, I never take anything out of what Chuck has written. It's usually just you know adding things to enhance it or move things around a little bit, and that that's really you know one of the things I like to kind of bring bring to a. And he's the um, I, I don't want to I don't want to curse, even though I curse all the time. You can but cuss if you want to. Well, okay, he's the fucking Easter egg. <laughs> um, uh, you know, but the, the other thing that I want to talk that I, that I want to say is he talked about it, but um, his attention to detail, man, um, gorgeous. We have we have a uh, don't punch me. Uh, we have a car, <laughs> um, uh, Kessler's car, and it's a it's a it's a it's a Cadillac. It's a big black Cadillac. But what I really appreciate is that when you look at that Cadillac. The freaking logo has all of the little mm -hmm. parts of the Cadillac. I mean, it's like, why did I mean you didn't even have to do that? You everybody would have known it was cat. Yeah, he did it. You know. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. I'm Jeremy. I'm sure you would have known though, and that that's you know, as, as an artist, that, he does things that he doesn't need to do because he's so damn particular and detail oriented, <laughs> and, and he's a perfectionist. And I'm thankful for it, uh, you yeah. know, um, because I. It, how how lucky is a writer when he gets a, a partner like that? Yeah, you know, and for me, it's it's not as much like that, you know, that, that I personally care about, like, you know, like the dots on the top of like, you know, like the Cadillac logo or whatever. You know, for me, I just, you know, if, it, if it's close enough that that can be seen, right, you know, I know there's going to be somebody that's going to look at it and, you know, mm -hmm. maybe they're going to be like, oh, that's not enough. So... For me, it may take a few extra minutes to do something like that, but I feel like it's worth it in, you know, in, in a period book to kind of have, because also this was the first period book that I'd ever done. It, to me, it's worth it to have that, that attention to detail, you know, like, like in small things to kind of keep it, keep it real. It, his there, Vietnam, his Vietnam soldier uniforms are authentic. Oh, I love I mean, that so much. Is, everything is so authentic with him. It's so... Uh, you know, there, there's this one, there's this one panel. I, I want to say was it issue two or three? But he put this. Um, I don't want to say what. I don't want to ruin the surprise. It's not giving away the story, but it's giving away the Easter egg, and I don't want to give it away. But it was a car from a famous movie, and he's like, <laughs> "Do you do, do you notice the Easter egg in there?" And it took me like seven tries. Uh, I was like, "Oh, the bus, this, that," and he's, you know, and um, but you know, but then when I looked at it. It was like, yep, that's exactly what it is. You know, um, his, yeah, his, his attention to detail is is second to literally none. Um, I mean, and, and it worked. It worked out too because it was a car from a movie, and the the year of the car from the movie happened to work out that it was like a year or two, I think, before when the comic took place. So like, it lined up perfectly because also that movie takes place in the city of Chicago. Oh, my gears are yeah. turning right now. I'm like, hmm. I almost wanted to well, say do, Christine. Do you want to give it away, Jeremy? I can if you want me to. Yeah, go ahead. You yeah. uh, know. So it's the car from, it's the Ferrari from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, that's so, so awesome. It's, it's that. And so, like, I forget, like, what year it is, but the, the scene lines up to where because it's also in chicago that that it's it's basically the it's it's cameron's dad's ferrari from uh ferris bueller that's so cool and i bet it was and so he does fun that all the time drawing a ferrari too 
Yeah, and, and they were just like, I was like, well, now I need to find, I need to find the car, and I need to find photo ref with an angle that works that I can draw it, and then, and then, and then the funny thing is, I mean, it's just like parked on a, on the side of the curb in front of like, city hall or something like that. I forget where we were, what the location next, was, but, and and it's just parked on, it's just parked, it's just parked right there, and then you know behind it is a bus, you know that, that's era accurate that I believe is. Uh, on its way to Wrigley Field, if I'm not mistaken. That's awesome. Yeah. For everyone watching, we have uh, the links to the two different covers right there dropping. It's new comic book day. Be sure to pre-order them. These are out in your local comic book shop March 29th. So what's Monster in Midways about? We talked a whole lot about, you know, your guys' history, what went into this. Um, I don't think we really, like, kind of talked about the basics, though. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy, do you want to do it? No, man, it's all you. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> Monsters and Midways, um, our elevator pitches uh, kind of says it all, but I'll go into a little bit more detail. But essentially, the 1970s heavy metal guitarist in Chicago hasn't gotten very far. Um, it hasn't been very successful with his uh, metal songs about elves and wizards and magic. So, let's see how he does with the real thing. Um, in, in Monsters and Midways, uh, wizards have been around since the dawn of time. They are immortal. Um, think Highlander. Uh, you know, um, they can be killed, uh, but if they if, 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 if they aren't killed by another wizard, they're going to be immortal. Uh, there are other magical beings. Um, one uh, type of magical being is a barbarian. Barbarians have very long lifespans, but they are mortal. Um, they have the ability to wield magic weapons. Um, and then there is a third uh, different, a third um, uh, species of magic being, and that is a mortal, normal lifespan maker. Uh, they make magic weapons. Um, and then, uh, and then there are elves. And um, our elves are a little different um, than than normal uh, elves in like Lord of the Rings or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, in, in our world, elves are people of uh, not all people of color are elves, but all elves are people of color. And this is the '70s. Uh, I'll get back to that in a minute. Uh, so you have magic. You have these different uh, folks. Magic since the beginning of time. There's good magic. There's good magic and then there's dark magic and uh dark magic tends to seep out release itself from the from the earth's core and mm -hmm. um dark magic mutates animals into monsters dark magic is responsible for the loch ness monster dark magic is responsible for bigfoot for um uh for the comic book yeti uh, i'm sorry the yeti and <laughs> i'm actually wearing a comic uh, book yeti shirt yeah they're great um and then uh you know um all of it uh and um so for years all these wizards were good and they essentially um you know kept a kept a a, a, a handle on the dark magic um to the blissful ignorance of the world they 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 kept it secret from the world um now uh that dark magic could only be kept in check uh, by these golden seals and the only species that can make these golden seals are the elves they're, they're they they make these seals and 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 they keep the magic out uh now at some point 
some of the some of the wizards decided why are we protecting these humans these these idiots uh you know why don't we rule them why don't we you know uh there was a rift um some uh, some wizards went uh dark some wizards went good ultimately that created a eons long war be, uh, between the wizards now there are two left uh there's corwin who um is actually a human being uh possessed by the spirit of one of the wizards and then mm -hmm. there is Kessler. And uh, they find themselves in Chicago in the 70s. There is a huge uh, leaking dark magic uh, um, uh, area in Chicago. And uh, Corwin, the evil wizard, has this idea. He's going to mix nuclear energy and dark magic. Uh, he's one of those people that just wants to see the world burn. And, <laughs> Nothing uh, could go wrong. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, and so that, you know, uh, Kessler... Um, is there to stop them. Uh, they put their teams together and, uh, you know, each has a maker and a barbarian. And what I really love, I did not write this. Jeremy did. Um, he surprised the hell out of us. Uh, Dave is the good bar uh, wizard's barbarian. He's metal. So Corwin has a barbarian and he's disco. Uh, that is so <laughs> awesome. So, we're going to have a battle of disco versus metal uh, of the a battle of the barbarians disco versus metal in the final episode uh, final issue. That is so was, cool. that was so genius. I, I did. I never thought of it. That was all Jeremy. So, Jeremy, I was going to ask you got heavy metal. You have, you know, wizards, elves, you know, the whole crazy fantasy setting. Like, how was this for you as an artist, like taking this on and. Um, with the different time periods, you know, how much research did you have to do to make sure you got it right? Um, tons of research on that end. I mean, I've, just on my phone by itself, I think I have probably at this point, we are rapidly approaching like 400 photos of just of everything from like all the Vietnam stuff, you know, that. And I, I just, I kept all of it because I don't know like what I'm going to have to like circle back to, mm -hmm. you know, so whether it's everything from that to clothing, you know, to, I mean, police uniforms, police cars, the, you know, the city, I mean, just all of that, that crazy stuff. I mean, there's just so much. I mean, I have, you know, I have, yeah, there's probably 50 pictures of just the Cadillac alone. <laughs> um <laughs> Well, in the first that, four or five issues of issue two, uh, you there's all that um, Salem witch trial stuff. Yeah, there's Salem witch trial. So like, you know, like trying to find photos of like the church, you know, because mm -hmm. that's where it opens. And then like, well, okay, well that's definitely crumbled. So how do I figure out what that used to look like, you know, type of deal? Uh, so there's all of that. But you know, for me, with with it being fantasy, it was really fun because uh, outside of before this book every single project I had ever done was sci-fi mm -hmm. and um, it, and not just like sort of sci-fi with the exception of one that took place on earth. Like everything was literally like full on outer space. And there was a point when, you know, when I kind of hooked back up with Chuck kind of, you know, post COVID <laughs> and um, you know, when he was kind of like, Hey, here's a few different things. Which one do you like? You know, initially I was like, man, I, you know, I've never done any superheroes or anything like that or whatever. So I, I wanted to do something that wasn't sci-fi. And then when I saw monsters and the description, and I was like, that's the one I want to do mm -hmm. because I was like, you know, and I was like, it's it's going to be totally different. It's going to be in a city. Uh, 
you know, it's going to have a time period, you know, I'm going to have get to do still, because I still, you know, I love doing monsters and just creatures and stuff like that. So I'm going to get plenty of that in, you know, so, and that was really one of the things that, that kind of drew me was, was that it was, that specifically was that it was a, a sword and sorcery book. Oh, that is so cool. Um, once again, for the third time, the third and the last time, guys, right here are the links to pre-order this. Um, we are getting close to having things wrap up, but before we do, what are you guys working on next outside of Monster and Midway's uh, issue one? I know uh, you have a couple more issues uh, coming out, but um, are there any other type of books uh, that you're working on? Uh, for me, it's mainly Monsters. I am working on a couple small um, mini comics, like a mini comic and then a one shot. And uh, the one shot is a little sort of like vampire love story that I'm doing. Uh, which I have just, it's in like super early like scripting and then uh, layouts. And then I've got another little um, mini comic that I'm working on. And I'm going to bring both of these to uh, also, I think, to possibly to C2E2. Oh, so that cool. should be pretty fun. So are you writing and doing the art uh, for the vampire story? Oh, uh, yeah. It's just something, oh, that's to, cool. to kind of, something to kind of have in addition to Monsters and Midways just with the, you know, to kind of line it up, something else to come So out. are we going to see more like more writing from you in the future do you think you're gonna start taking that role on as well with like other stories or um yeah you know if if, if i have a if i have an idea and a story to tell specifically um you know the the vampire story was sort of without going into it is sort of based on a um a joke that i made uh to my wife and so it's kind of a sort of like personal sort of love story in that regard <laughs> um that that I made and uh, you know and so that, that that's what I'm more and basically it was this the small joke of you know we were watch, we were watching like a vampire movie or something like that and I was like I would totally eat people if um, we could live forever and uh, that was basically like like the joke I made and then so mm -hmm. then I was like as the story and then I was like well okay if we did that but like who actually would we choose to eat if we were going to do that that's and a that good was like, question and that and that's that's really what the story is you know is these two people that you know that loved each other so much that they were willing to become vampires and then who do they choose to uh, feed on when the time comes Dude, hey, everyone, stay tuned for that because you're going to have to figure out who it is. I'm curious as well. Mm -hmm. uh, Chuck, what about you, man? What do you got uh, up your sleeve? Uh, a couple things. Um, with uh, Band of Bards this year, I have Monsters in Midways. Um, and then I also have, uh, like I mentioned before, Christopher Cooper, Nebraska, the save the world from fucking Nazis. That's done with <laughs> Jason. Um, I won't say his last name. And then, uh, uh, and then Jeremiah Scheich. Um, who has a book uh, coming from Band of Bards called Hush Ronin. Um, and uh, he is he's phenomenal. Um, that will be colored by DC Alonzo and lettered by um, Hector Negret. And then uh, from Devil's Due Comics, I have um, uh, The Claims Adjuster, which is uh, kind of, um, you know, it's like Seven meets Falling Down meets Marvels. It's a serial killer it's a superhero serial killer story. Uh, and um, that one is co-story of uh, Neil Van Antwerpen, who I'll get to in a moment. And then uh, the art is by Laura Helsby, who's getting a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of press right now. Um, she, uh, they're about to blow up. Uh, I think, I think Jeremy and Laura are going to have a very good 2023, I, I, I think. Um, and then, uh, um, 
that would be colored by Leslie Atlansky and lettered by Chuck Molly. And then uh, at Devil's Due also uh, this year is No Other Gods. Uh, no Other Gods is draw, uh, written completely by me, um, drawn by Neil Van Antwerpen, uh, inked by Mark Stegbauer, um, colored by Nicholas Michael uh again and then um also lettered by tom Marzakowski. so um that those those are the four series i have coming out this year for sure um and then uh you know and and then i'll be at every show selling the of bitter souls omnibus those omnibus look gorgeous too holy crap we have a half-life comics monster in midway sounds great i have my copy pre-ordered from thing from another world thank you for the pre-order um, we always appreciate that for everyone watching. Here is the link one more time. Now, before we end things completely, I always love asking for a little bit of advice because as much as this is a show where we really promote your guys' work, uh, there's often new people who are watching, and I'd love for them to take away something from it as well. So with that being said, I think we'll really capitalize on some of the bumps you guys had early on. And that is, like, for anyone who is looking for finding a publisher publisher for the first time, what would you say your number one golden rule should be for them to, like, maybe look out for Jeremy, you want to? I, I mean, um, we can no, I mean, it, 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 you know, it's tough because I don't want to give like a list of like these are the warning signs, you know. <laughs> I, I, or here, maybe let me rephrase that. What would be good qualities someone uh, should look for when approaching a publisher? That's good. Um, yeah, I mean, you start with looking at what they publish. You know, does does your book fit? You know, don't don't just you know. Don't spam like every publisher, you know, you can find necessarily. And, you know, I would say maybe the, the value of a relationship is probably the best thing you can possibly have. You know, like I don't know if I know the story of how Chuck, I mean, Chuck knows everybody, which is you know, <laughs> kind of, you know, one of the great benefits of working with Chuck is that, you know, Chuck, Chuck is like, you know, the story, you know, if this was the Spider-Verse, Chuck is like the Madam Web of, you know, like the comics <laughs> world to a certain degree. You know, so, but like, I don't know how Chuck like knows the Band of Bards guys, but when it came time to, you know, to switch, you know, to, to go with Band of Bards, you know, like Chuck, you know, we, we had the sort of resounding endorsement from Chuck already, you know, having a relationship with them. And to me, I feel like that that is a pretty priceless thing to have. I think that if you're going in cold though, and you don't have a relationship with a, with a publisher, there are a few things that um, that that should be um, good signs. Let's not talk about the red flags. Uh, that, that I appreciate that, Cody. Um, let's talk about the good signs: um, transparency, honesty. Uh, you know, um, if they're not if if, if they're not selling five thousand copies, don't tell us they're selling five thousand copies. If they're selling eight hundred copies, then tell us that. You know. Mm -hmm. um, let us make decisions based on um, truths uh, and, and, and facts. Uh, so openness, honest, honesty, uh, uh, transparency um, are all good. Uh, communication, um, you know, I have one friend who has his first book with a publisher right now. And um, he, I'll give you an example. He was supposed to have a meeting with this publisher. Um, I don't want to say who the friend is. I don't want to say who the publisher is, but he had a meeting with this publisher uh, to ask a number of questions. The publisher blew him off and didn't even call. Didn't even bother. Uh, um, you know, uh, didn't even bother calling. So good, good communication. Uh, mm -hmm. I'll tell you one thing. 
if Josh Blaylock at Devil's Due or Tim or Chris missed a meeting, there would be like seven texts and a couple of calls telling us why they have to miss it and when we can reschedule because they're professional, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so I would say those are good things to look for. Um, you know, uh, one thing I'd, I'd add to all of it is this, you are not going to impress, uh, image or band of bards or dark horse or devil's do, uh, with your, um, new idea for a submission, um, style. Uh, they put into their guidelines what they want their submissions to look like. If you're a professor, if you're a comic book creator that wants to get a book published, follow the fucking submission guidelines. You know, uh, mm -hmm. don't don't think that your book is so damn good that you don't need to do it because you do. Um, I'll tell you this much: uh, if if there's a submission guideline uh, and Phil Hester wants to submit to that company. Phil Hester is going to follow submission guidelines. So you probably should too. You know what I mean? Um, that that's one of the biggest um, pet peeves that publishers have. Uh, so don't, don't, don't start off on the wrong foot, you know, uh, follow their guidelines. Do what they, they have. already have to go through so many submissions, right? Yeah. I, I've said this before. Um, I'll say it again. And it's, it's pretty quick. Every comic book deal is a miracle. Because let's think about this. And I, I, I've said this before. There's maybe, Cody, 17, 18 publishers in the world that are taking creator-owned comics. You know? That, go on go on comics Twitter right now. How many projects are there? Thousands. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Thousands. So just think about it. Those Band of Bards guys, Devil's Do, and, you know, especially like Image, Boom, Dark Horse, those, anyone with submissions open, they are probably getting, I bet Image Comics gets, I, I bet they get hundreds of submissions, maybe a week, mm -hmm. for, for sure a month. So, uh, you know, if you if you get lucky enough to even get turned down, you did well. You know what I mean? Where they actually reply. Uh, but um, why screw it up uh, with, with, with screw it on the submission guidelines? So, but the other part is every comic book deal is a miracle. Mm -hmm. So treat it as such, you know, be, be, be grateful. You know, um, we literally got accepted three times for monsters and midways. We performed three miracles. I mean, we're, we're practically, we practically have sainthood coming, you know, um, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but, the, but I would prefer not truly. to die for that to happen. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, follow the guidelines. Um, if you're lucky enough to get a deal, treat it with the respect that it deserves. Um, and then um, finally, don't call retailers on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Oh, I think some very sound advice. Thank you, Jeremy and Chuck. Mm -hmm. We have the Saints of Monsters and Midways here on the podcast. As always, greatly appreciated. Here are the links for the fourth time I lied, guys. But check it out. Be sure to pre-order in stores march 29th with that being said it is time for us to wrap up i hope you have a lovely wednesday night but most importantly guys keep it geekly